Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. We'll get into the Word this morning. We're going to go to three places to begin with this morning. Um, John chapter 16, the Gospel of John chapter 16, the book of James chapter 1, and the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. So John, James, and 1 Peter. Peter, James, and John. That's where we're going to start with this morning. And listen, this is, this. I don't want to spoil anything but or surprise anybody, but this is a surprisingly encouraging message. So y'all, y'all stay close, okay? I'm getting dangerously close to encouraging, so y'all stay with me, all right? Book of James, chapter 16, book of John, chapter 16, says this in verse 33. Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. James chapter one, verses two through four. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And lastly, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Peter says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you may have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested. Your faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you add your anointing and your blessing and your understanding to the reading and the preaching and the hearing of your word. God, I pray that you would translate this message uh, into, into every person's life so that they hear exactly what they need to hear this morning in the way that they need to hear it. I pray, God, that it is received from, from the heart of love and, and compassion uh, that it was uh, it's intended to be. Lord, I just pray that, uh, that you be glorified in everything that's said and done today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, listen, no matter what faith background you might be from, even if you're not from a faith background, I would even venture to say that an atheist could agree with the words of Jesus that we just read. Like, which words? When he said, in this world, you will have trouble. I mean, I think that's something everybody can get behind, right? That's some truth right there. Now, there's an obvious application as we continue to navigate the fallout of the COVID-19 coronavirus crisis. But I don't know if you can remember life before the pandemic, but this ain't the only thing that we've ever been through, is it? 
It, I've still got the scars. I've still got the limp of some battles that have long since been fought, but not forgotten. Some tough times that I've walked through. Valleys of the shadows of death. Times that, as Peter and James have said in these passages we just read, times that have tried my faith. And I'm sure the same is true for you. But just as surely as the Bible tells us of the certainty of trouble, it also gives us the prescription for making it through that trouble. It says, rejoice. It says, count it all joy. It says, be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Be truly glad. So right here in week eight or so of this pandemic, right here at this point in your life, even outside of the pandemic, whatever else is going on in our lives, let me ask you this question from scripture. Are we having fun yet? Are we having fun yet? If trouble is the precursor to joy, if it's the precursor to good cheer and encouragement, then we should definitely be having fun by now, right? One of the things that I appreciate about scripture is that it shows the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? If there's no glossy finish, there's no pie in the sky, even a high sounding principle like this one is firmly rooted in a rough and tumble reality. Yes, we are to rejoice. Yes, we are to be encouraged. Yes, we are to be having fun by now. Why? Because we have a different perspective on trouble than the rest of the world has. We can be encouraged because Jesus has overcome the world. We can be encouraged because Jesus has promised in Romans 8, 28, that all things, no matter how bad they are, will work together for our good. We can be encouraged because there's, there's a perspective about the things that happen on this earth that changes the way we see and experience what we go through. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. The message is called, Are We Having Fun Yet? And today I want to talk about the three possible perspectives that we can have, uh, reasons that we understand why we go through difficult times and why those reasons are really reasons to rejoice. Okay, so here's the first one. Why are we going through, why do we go through difficult things and how can we rejoice through them? And the first thing is purification. Purification. Now, a quick glance at the Old Testament will reveal that despite God's best efforts uh, at making Israel into a shining example of his glory on this earth, over and over again, they just demonstrated how human and how fallible they were. Repeatedly, they turned their backs on God and fell into sin. And after centuries of warnings and pleas, God finally brought judgment on the nation of Israel by allowing them to be conquered, brutally conquered by foreign kingdoms. It was a time of trouble for sure. But I want you to look at the perspective of the psalmist uh, and when he wrote about it in Psalm 66. Psalm 66 in verse 8, it says this, Let the whole world bless our God and sing his praise, uh, loudly sing his praises. Our lives are in his hands, and he keeps our feet from stumbling. Now, that sounds good, right? But look at what he says. You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. You captured us in your net and laid the burden of slavery on our backs. Then you put a leader over us 
We went through fire and flood. Wow. Now, that's a strange relationship between rejoicing and suffering. He's celebrating the goodness of the Lord in, in, in the beginning of that passage. And then by the middle, he's, he's talking about the suffering. Like, what, is, what meaneth this? What is that about? The writer says he tested and purified us like silver. He made us slaves and made us captives. He made us go through fire and flood. That sounds terrible. Why would a good God do that? Well, he answers it in the last half of verse 12, and I want to read the rest of it. It says, you put a leader over us, went through fire and flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. To a place of great abundance. That's why God brought them through that. But listen, the psalmist knew that there would have been no place of abundance if there had been no time of purification. Look at what he said in verses 16 through 20 in Psalm 66. He says, come listen, all you who fear God, and I'll tell you what he did for me. I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. Look at this. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. You see, the suffering that Israel had been through was to purify God's people so that they would be at a point of right relationship with God again. And being in right relationship with God always leads us to blessing. As a matter of fact, blessing has always been God's plan for us. He didn't create this world so that he could reject us. He didn't create the world so that he could punish us. He created this world so that he could have fellowship with us and could bless us. Being in right relationship with God always leads to blessing. Why is that? Because you can't be around the healer without getting healed. You can't be around the provider without getting provision. You can't be around the blesser without getting blessed. Right relationship always leads to purification, always leads to blessing. And the road to blessing with God is purification. It's purification. So why can we rejoice when we go through trials? Because what we're going through is purifying us and purification is always directly linked to blessing. So let me say this again. Sometimes we have to go through difficult things because God is using it to purify us, to get the sin out of our lives so that he can bless us and bring us close. Sin separates us from God, but when we're purified, he can pull us close. And when God pulls you close, when you're close to God, it makes the pain that you might have gone through to get there worth every, every effort and every pain. You say, well, I thought holiness was about suffering. No, holiness is just the name of the road that you take. Right relationship is the destination and blessing is always the result. I want to show it to you in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Again, I want you to see this. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you may have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will do what? They'll show your faith 
is genuine. How? Because your faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole, to the whole world. So are we having fun yet? We are when we recognize that the process of purification is leading us to a place of much glory and honor and praise in the presence of God. Now, what's another reason that we can rejoice in the midst of trial? It's not just purification, but it's also preparation. Sometimes the things we go through is about preparation. I want to show it to you in the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, then Jesus, this is right after his baptism uh, in, in the Jordan River, Remember that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. He was baptized in water. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit <clears throat> in the wilderness. Some, some translations say into the wilderness. Where, what happened? He was tempted by the devil for 40 days. This was not a spa retreat for Jesus. This was a time of testing and temptation and tribulation Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Verses 13 and 14, at the backside of that uh, trial and temptation, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power, and reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. This, this time of tribulation launched Jesus. It came immediately before and launched him into his public ministry. You see, not everything you go through uh, is to purify you. Some things are to prepare you for what's coming next in your life. Jesus was perfect and sinless. He needed no purification. But the Father still led him into the wilderness to go through a time of trial, a time of temptation and testing. Why? In order to prepare him for his earthly ministry. And I can tell you, if the sinless, spotless Lamb of God could only learn some things through times of difficulty, then how much more should we expect that we've got some things we have to go through too? Sometimes our troubles purify us, and sometimes they're simply preparing us for what God has in store for us. Listen, over the last few weeks, we've talked about different perspectives, and we've talked about things in different contexts, but it really leads to the same conclusion. Last week, we talked about the fact that there are things in this pandemic that have, ex have been exposed in us right? The character flaws, the, uh, the cracks in our relationships, the fears, the anxieties. A couple of weeks ago in a message called the, the, the paradox of the pandemic, we learned that God may very well be using this pandemic to fix some things that have been plaguing the church for a long time anyway. Why? Why expose our weaknesses? Why fix our flaws? Because God has a plan for us that's bigger than just surviving the pandemic. It's, it's hard to even think about, but there will be life after this thing is over. There is life 
after this crisis. And I truly believe that the greatest ministry opportunities of any of our lives, the greatest ministry opportunities of several generations are just around the corner. And we have got to be prepared. And if God wants to use this time to prepare us, then let's don't fight him on it. Let's cooperate with him. Let's don't be mad about it. Let's rejoice about it. Yes, this is hard. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's inconvenient. Yes, it's difficult. But if you could just see what God sees, if you could just see, if you could just know what he has in store for us, if you could just see what's about to happen, it would change your perspective on the pain. Listen, the the karate kid hated all that wax on, wax off stuff, didn't he? I'm getting spiritual now, right? He hated all that, but he sure loved it when the enemy was standing in front of him, didn't he? All the fence painting painting, and all the car waxing was preparation with a purpose. And sometimes I think we got more faith in Mr. Miyagi than we have in the master and the Messiah. If God has taken you through it, he's got a reason for it. If you need to repent, then repent. But if you've already asked him to search your heart and reveal sin in your life, then it might just be that he is preparing you for the incredible things that are yet to come. See, listen to this. Everything you need to know for tomorrow's triumphs is being learned in today's trials. Everything you need to know for tomorrow's triumphs is being learned in today's trials. Are we having fun yet? We are if we recognize that the best is yet to come. Now here's the last cause for joy when we face trouble. It might be purification. It it might be preparation, but it just might be divine positioning. Positioning. The other day, Valerie and I um, were painting the or staining the fence at the, the top of our driveway. So we just, you know, we, we're old. We're just lazy. We threw our stuff in the back of the truck and just drove up there. And I was going to park in the driveway between the two halves of the fence. Um, and, and we got to the end of the driveway. I just pulled right, passed right out of the driveway, hung a left like I was leaving. And then I put it in reverse and I backed up past the driveway. Uh, on the other side. And about that time, Valerie said what most of you wives would have said in that moment. She said, where in the world are you going? I seemed like a logical question. But about that time, I pulled back into the driveway and parked. So the question answered itself. But I realized that it must have been a little baffling to her because she thought I just wanted to park at the end of the driveway. I just needed to be in that place at that time. But, but at two different times during that process, I was doing the complete opposite of what she thought I was doing. I pulled out of the driveway when she thought I would have stopped. Then I backed past the driveway when she thought I would have returned. It's confusing. It was confusing to her. And it is confusing until you realize that being properly positioned is not just about being in the right place at the right time. It's about making sure you're going in the right direction. 
Being properly positioned is not just about being in the right place at the right time. You got to make sure you're heading in the right direction. When it was time to go, when we were finished painting, I was anticipating being finished. When it was time to go, I just wanted to get in the truck and go home. So proper positioning required that I changed directions. Now listen, some of you may feel pretty good about where you are, uh, who you are in Christ, and where you are in your relationship with God. And I'm not, I'm not questioning that. It's all good. Uh, maybe you've already been purified. Maybe you have already, maybe you've even already been prepared. Maybe you're in the right place at the right time, fully prepared to do what God is calling you to do next. But only the driver can determine if you're headed in the right direction. Sometimes our driver, capital D, God the Father, has to take us in a direction that makes no sense in order to get us positioned precisely in the right direction for his honor, for his glory, and for his kingdom. See, here's the, here's the big question. Are you going to trust the driver? You going to trust the driver? Can you, in the midst of the journey, rejoice that you are eventually going to reach the destination? Like you may not know exactly what path you're being taken on, but you know that when they put it, when he puts it in park, you're going to be in the right place at the right time, going in the right direction. Sometimes trials are used to purify us. Sometimes they're used to prepare us, and sometimes they're used to position us for what God has in our future. And I want to show it to you in the word in Genesis 41, Genesis 41, one of my favorite uh, characters to study in the Bible, Joseph. Finally, this is verse nine, chapter 41 in Genesis. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Uh, by the way, the part of the story I don't like is they killed the butler. Uh, the cupbearer is still here. Anyway, today I have been, uh, I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me. Oh, no, he is the butler. Yay, the butler lives. The butler didn't just do it. He got to live. Yay. So you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man in prison with us who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. Now look at, look at uh, verses 39 and 40. Pharaoh said to Joseph, they called him out of prison. Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent and wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a higher rank than yours. Wow. What a, this is such an incredible, incredible story. And see, everybody wants to be the prime minister of Egypt. Nobody wants to be a slave. Nobody wants to be a prisoner for 13 years. Did Joseph have some purification that needed to be done? He absolutely did. He was a little proud and precocious as a young man, needed some of those rough edges rubbed off. Did he need some preparation? Absolutely he did. Nobody's just born ready to be the prime minister of Egypt in a moment's notice. So the lessons that he learned by being a servant, 
by being in charge of Potiphar's house, by being falsely accused, being forgotten and forsaken, all of that stuff prepared him to be a wise and humble leader who depended upon God. But, but for at least some of that time at the end, while he was still in prison, he was already purified and he was already prepared. The remaining time was simply positioning him on that launching pad, turning him around at the end of that driveway so that when it was time to go, all he had to do was put it in drive and step on the gas. See, don't get discouraged when you go through difficult times. It might just be that God is positioning you for promotion. It might just be that you might be the most purified and the most prepared trustee in your particular prison, but you can rejoice knowing that the heavenly driver is positioning you for promotion. Are we having fun yet? We are when we think about what God has in store for us. I want to show you Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, who is our spiritual brother, we are heirs of God's glory. That sounds great, right? We are heirs. We're going to inherit the glory of God. Oh, but there's a divine but right here. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his sufferings. Thank God that's not where he left it. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Did you see that? Paul said there is no buffet version of Christianity. You don't just get to go and pick and choose what you want and leave the, this tasteful stuff behind. You have to get the full experience. If you expect to receive the glory with Christ, you should also expect to endure the sufferings of Christ. But that's stating it negatively. Let's look at it positively. If you are going through sufferings for Christ, then you can count it all joy because your sufferings are positioning you to receive the promise. So keep your eyes on the promise. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on where you're going, not where you are or even where you've been. God is just positioning us for the promotion and for the promise. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is a really, really encouraging passage of Scripture, really powerful imagery, uh, but I want you to focus especially on the second verse. Um, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, I always think of a stadium full of the saints of God cheering us on. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the, the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God set before us. Now look at this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's the author and the finisher. Because of the joy, please don't miss this, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. And now he's in a different position. He's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. How do we get through hard times? How do we, how do we endure 
How do we rejoice even when we're suffering? We keep our eyes on the joy that's awaiting us. Listen, if Jesus can endure the agony and torture of the cross by thinking about the joy that was in front of him, then surely we can get through what we go through on this earth by remembering that he is positioning us for the promise. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but be encouraged. Jesus has overcome the world. He has redeemed us. He has redeemed the time. He has redeemed our suffering. Now everything that happens to to us and in us and around us, everything that happens works together for good. Sometimes it works for our purification. Sometimes it works for our preparation. Sometimes it works for our positioning, but it always works for our good. Amen. Let's pray this morning. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.